0: the new political landscape which has seen a strong surge to the right and National in the driver's seat although he'll be in the jump seat or seats remains to be seen. On the current figures National and Act together have 61 seats in a 121 seat parliament but that could change once about half a million special votes are counted. Just to complicate things there's going to be another seat attached to the by-election in Port Wakato, and the outcome of that uh, could potentially alter the numbers again, although may uh, end up having a nil effect on National's attempts to get its majority together. The uncertainty means National can't count on forming a government with Act alone and may need to seek support from New Zealand first. In fact, it may wish to do so regardless. It was a strong election for Te Pāti Māori also, which won four of the seven Māori electorates, knocking out two political dynasties in the form of Nānaia Mahuta in Horaki Wākato and Rino Tirikatene in Te Taitonga. Another overhang as a result of its success in the electorates. The Green Party won three electorate seats, including two potentially in the capital. One's a bit close to call at the moment. Labour's caucus is almost halved. MPs of all stripes are arriving in Wellington this morning to begin learning how Parliament works. To work through all this, we welcome Neil Jones, former Chief of Staff to Labour leader Jacinda D- Ardern, before that to Andrew Little, now Director of Public Affairs Firm Capital. Kia ora. Kia ora. Tim Hurdle was a former National Senior Advisor, was the National Party Campaign Director in 2020, is the Director of several companies, including Museum Street Strategies of Public Affairs Firm. Uh, mōrēna, Tim. G'day. With us also, Bernie O'Donnell, Chairman of Manukau Urban Māori Authority and a Labour Party member. Uh, kia ora, Bernie.
1: Kia ora, mōrēna.
0: Uh, kia ora, Koutou. Welcome all. Right, a fascinating election result. Party vote and electorates, still some crucial outcomes from special votes, but what are, are your first thoughts about this new parliament and government, Tim?
2: Well, I think we're seeing um, the public voting for a considerable change. We saw um, that change translated through an increase in the vote for the right and also on the Maori electorates, a vote for the to Party Maori. Um, I think it was a pretty strong... Um, rejection of of what had been a very strong position for Labour um, and a feeling that they hadn't delivered on that, and the public um, took its vengeance at the polls.
0: Neil? Yeah.
3: yeah, look, a very decisive win for National, I think bigger than most people had thought. Uh, there had been some hope from Labour near the end of the campaign that last week that you were starting to see a shift. There's some evidence that happened between the difference between the advance vote and the final, uh, and the preliminary vote, but National was just too far ahead. Um interesting for National Now, they're, they've on the current numbers, they can form a government with Act Alone, but we can discuss later but following the specials, I'm you know, I think odds are that they're going to need New Zealand first to have a majority, and even if they don't need New Zealand first technically uh, they're in a precarious position if they keep a one seat majority um, One single rogue MP could bring down the government so they'll probably need New Zealand first anyway um, For Labour, um, just an absolute drubbing, um, a historic defeat. I think Labour is going to have to go through a period of a bit of soul-searching, um, use this as an opportunity to renew and refresh, have those hard discussions, those hard conversations, and get a three-year plan and work to fight 2026, and in the meantime, avoid tearing yourself to pieces.
0: We'll come back and talk more about this situation. We were just saying before we came on air one of the benefits, if you can call any, of losing as many electorate seats as they did is that they have kept quite a few sort of mid-range, on the way up MPs off the list that they otherwise were at risk of losing.
3: Yeah, and and as I said last week, I think Labour would be quietly hoping they lost a few electorates, probably not as many as they did, Um, but there was a risk that if you had a low party vote and you held too many electorates, people like Kieran McEnulty would be out of Parliament. Um, You know, people like Aisha Vera or Jantanetti were pretty marginal, so... I think, I think probably that, that losing some seats hasn't been the worst thing for Labor.
0: Bernie O'Donnell, uh, just your comments uh, overall across the results?
3: There was a clear call for change.
1: I'm not sure how people realise what change will mean. I mean, under national, Māori generally have done very well. Uh, it's not that so much we worry about now, it's a coalition partners, which is um, the narratives have been continuing in terms of Māori aspirations. The concern for us is now, um, under, under the previous Labor government, to beat white-hunging inequities were prioritised for government agencies. That signalled a change about how to do better by, you
0: know, that's all going to be tucked away under yes. this coalition, which is a worry. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about coalition and where the balance of power sits and bottom lines in these things in a moment, Bernie. But can you comment, um, if you wish, further on what's happened in these uh, electorate seats? As we said, the multi Party... Vote, they're probably in some ways a tad disappointed in but this incredibly strong showing in the seats themselves uh, the unseating of a senior minister and a senior political figure in Māoridom in the form of Nānaia Mahuta by the youngest MP in 120 years what was happening on the ground to bring such a strong result, Bernie?
1: So somehow we missed the signal from our people about where they wanted to go that's the point um we were still a bit perplexed actually in terms of what we thought were the priorities were the priorities for our people. That clearly wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I-, I wonder, though how, if our people, you know, just first of all, mm-hmm. congratulations to the party, uh, to the Māori party for their success. But um, just wondering where that's going to get us. You can't continue to be in opposition and continue to try and make change for our people. That's where I think the party Māori has found a home, and being that voice previously with our coalition, their voices got swallowed up in the, in, in the major party. So, you know, we, we still still don't quite get the reasons why our people voted the way they voted. In terms of the Māori perspective, as I said before, we prioritise the needs of our people, and um, obviously that message didn't resonate with um, a large part of us. Um, of
0: Can we talk a little bit? The turnout is down overall, 78.4%, down from 82.2% in 2020, although that was a pretty high result historically. Back in 2017, it was around 79%, barely a difference on on this time. And when you look at... The electorate wins in Wellington Central for the Greens with Tamata Paul, um, in Auckland Central with Chloe Swarbrick. When you look at, as we said, uh, in in Hauraki Waikato, the brilliant win by by, by a 21-year-old up against um, Nanaya Mahuta, are we perceiving a a younger generation or a successful ground game with a younger generation at all? I, in look, some of these seats.
3: I, I think what we're seeing. It, Van
0: Velden, Bigg Pardon, It, it, it may well be another? there's
3: some generational change. I mean, we saw that in Tutai Tonga as well. I'm not sure that's necessarily the analysis I'd give it. I think what we saw was that strong mood for change meant that people voted against Labour at every opportunity. So we saw that in Wellington Central and Rongotai. We saw that in the Māori seats, with you know where in both cases it was the the vote that the vote that, the, that went through was different from the polling. And also in Auckland, um, we're seeing uh, Te Aratu, Labor's currently losing that. Uh, Mount Roskill has fallen to National. Um, the Labour fortress of Mount Albert is held by only 106 votes on election night. Uh, New, New Lynn. Lynn looks like it's gone. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is this is the, the simple analysis. I think is that people just wanted change, and some of them voted National, where they had a, some of them voted Green, some of them voted to Party, but Labor ultimately bore the brunt of that.
0: Can we talk about Auckland, Tim? Uh, and I'm really interested in as to how much the Auckland party vote, which Labour often relies on in some of its strongholds, South Auckland strongholds in particular, the party vote is a reflection of the frustrations that cities had, everything from COVID lockdowns to the weather, frankly, um, and whether the flipping or near-flipping of these Labour stronghold seats also reflects a very strong mood in Auckland. What would What's your observations? What's your polling told you?
2: Yeah, I think you need to be a little bit careful um, with some of the electric contests, calling them too quickly because some of the numbers are pretty small and the specials are disproportionate some of the Maori seats normally than the general seat. So there could be some quite big movements there. But coming back to the point of Auckland, Auckland, um, people have big mortgages there because of the house price booms. Um, They fairly feel the cost of living. Um, They've been particularly hard hit by some of the crime issues um, around ram raids and things like that. And really up in the in the outer suburbs where people have those big mortgages and they're worried about their cost of living, they're seeing their interest rates going up um, as they refix their mortgages. They're seeing the cost of transport going up, which is a big factor in Auckland. And um, all the problems of the cost of living are particularly amplified in Auckland. And so they were really looking for a change uh, and they really um, – Punishing Labor for the lack of progress on some of the big promises around things like the Auckland Light Rail and also uh, KiwiBuild because there's uh, such a stress on housing up in Auckland.
0: Do you want to pick up on that theme, Bernie? Yeah,
1: look, I do. Look, politically, I have always thought that the two major parties were sort of weren't as um, uh, as close as we would expect. I think the issue was around whether whether this government could do the job or whether the Labor government could do the job, and that was obviously. Um, a key issue in terms of what what change looks like. I still wonder if we really know what change looks like. Okay, we're not we're not satisfied with the previous government. Are we just going to change? And I'd be I'd be interested to see how. Um, and, and I'm missing to them as well. The new government that will um, will handle things. I'll just run into the same issues that this previous the the the. the The latest government um, ran into look there's six years of um, having to go through um, and we've heard it before through through COVID we had to go through the the floods and 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 the, the weather patterns at the beginning of the year really put us behind in terms of being able to do what we wanted to do. I get that. I mean, you know, clear signal from from the voters that they want change. Just wonder if they know what changes really.
0: Let's talk about what happens between now and November 3rd and potentially November 25th, but most likely November 3rd. The overhang possibilities, there are two factors causing this. One being this anomaly, it seems to me, in the law with respect to a candidate uh, regrettably dying um, prior to the election. Um, But this means the Parliament becomes disproportionate because that electorate seat is going to be on top of uh, a party vote entitlement potentially if national wins it so there's one and then as things stand um, uh, an overhang but by the multi party having a better result in the seats then its party vote entitles it so as things stand at the moment if they win Port Waikato there's that slim majority for national in, in act am, am i correct on that
3: yeah, that's correct however there are a couple of other factors to consider one is historically special votes have led to one or two seats flipping right to left. Um, 20% of the votes cast in this election were special votes, so that's quite significant.
0: So that's why November 3rd's such an that's important November
3: 3rd's so important. The, the second thing is, um, depending on what the special votes do to Te party Māori's vote, both its party vote and its electorate, Um, seats, it's one, you could see that overhang from Te Pāti Māori either increase or disappear. Right. So
0: Tim, looking as things stand now, uh, with a a slim majority, perhaps at best for National and ACT, what's going to happen in this three-week limbo? They're not going to sit around doing their nails, are they? How much will already begin by means of conversations between National and ACT and conversations between National and New Zealand first?
2: Well, I understand the original um, conversations had already been underway with um, with the ACT Party, and now their National Party is reaching out to New Zealand First, trying to work out how to engage with them. Uh, this becomes part of the problem because the electoral calculus isn't finished. Um, quite how much leverage any party has got is unclear. Uh, but so I guess what they'll be trying to do is work out where their policies are in alignment, and what the points of negotiation will be, and then working out a process to um, Negotiate a, um, a shape of a government and what form of government is going to be most acceptable to all parties.
0: What's what are the possibilities with respect to New Zealand first and having some kind of arrangement that at least gives supply uh, confidence and supply, which is immensely helpful in the ability to govern day to day. What what do you think is in play?
2: Well. Well, I think there's, um, there's there's also the added factor that it's a three-way conversation because it will depend on the level of comfort um, from ACT as to how far um, New Zealand First comes into the government um, and also what kind of um, deals are done, whether it's a, just a supplier deal or a confidence deal when they're going to put everything up day by day or how much they try and um, lock them into a, an agreed agenda. Um, there's a bit of a range of approaches that have been taken after various um, elections, including quite detailed manifestos, as we saw um, when New Zealand First went in with Labour in 2017 and went in with National 1996, where you just almost had an itemised list of projects that they were going to work on together, to more, um, more sort of uh, relationship-based kind of agreements that we've seen in under, under elections. I suspect all those options are on the table right now, and it'll evolve as those discussions get underway as to whether they're going to end up in in any format, can you in mean, particular can, format that Can you get up. to
0: an agreement in principle, interesting speculation in some of the media this morning, that New Zealand First in some ways might feel, might feel greater leverage at the moment when there's this much doubt, uh, other than possibility a cleaner result after, the, after November 3rd, although, that, as Neil pointed out, it may well go the other way. But how far can you get in the interregnum? What, you know, what, what, what literally happens during these processes by means of handshakes uh, if, if not actually signing bits of paper?
2: Well, I think Neil's probably very well uh, placed to uh, having been involved in a bit of that. But, um, you know, they, 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 there is some detail done at all sorts of levels from relationship down to um, policy analysis to, to try and work out. Uh, and then and then there's also a, a factor of trying to work out how much money you've got to spend. And I think suspect that's going to be, become a crucial factor in any negotiations because um, Winston's talking about opening the books. I suspect that means... Um, that's code for really understanding what the fiscal situation and what the credibility of the preview was, um, given it was based on a whole heap of assumptions that even the Treasury sort of um, put a bit of an asterisk beside.
0: So that tax package is part of that conversation, uh, and it may well be with ACT as well, which amended its tax package. Um, are, are there any other particular policies that we see at risk, whatever the outcome here, or, or perhaps emboldened by what's
3: happened here. Well, New Zealand, but Winston Peters gave a very interesting press conference yesterday where at the end of it he referred to, once once we know what, you know, when the numbers are in some parties' policies may be as valuable as confetti. So there was sort of some big talk there about um, sort of what he would exert on national. He has been very critical of their tax cuts, um, as not being properly funded. Um, I, I suspect you know, I suspect, depending on how much leverage New Zealand First has, you could see quite a different outcome. Um, and going back to what we were, you were saying before with Tim, I actually don't think New Zealand First should try and strike a deal now while there's uncertainty. Um, I think the actual leverage they will have in a government will depend on whether they have the balance of power or not. Um, and so, regardless of what you put on paper, um, the numbers are what matter. And Winston Peters is someone who knows how to count. Secondly, I would say, um, if New Zealand First holds the balance of power, it doesn't matter if it's one seat or 20 seats, National can't do anything without Winston Peters at that point. And then he holds all the cards. I I would think, given the likelihood that he'll be needed, he should hold off. And furthermore, even if everything goes National's way and they end up not needing Winston Peters, they'll probably end up with a bare one-seat majority. Which means any single national or ACT MP could bring down the government, and we've already seen with Labor this term. You know they've 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 lost a couple of seats in by-elections or um, other things. So I I think they will need Winston Peters anyway. So he either gets a very good deal or he gets an okay deal. But I, I'd wait till I knew what the numbers were.
0: What's your um, reading of this, Bernie? You've alluded to a couple of concerns. Um, that uh, multi voters, and for goodness' sake, we can't sort of lump them together, but that, that some multi voters might have given the policies of uh, of some of the parties involved here, at least. And as you look at the leveraging that, that may or may not come out of this, what are some of the policies that are top of mind for you?
1: Just to pick up on. What we've just talked about, you won't, won't, I think, what will happen once, is in, in just an end comments, and we're able to open the books to see the stark reality of our economy. That's that's it. It's not mine. The, 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 the politicians, it's not mine. You know where they're going to make the cuts. You know where the collateral damage will be, and it'll be our people. When I say our people, I don't I don't mean mine. It's also the, the communities that uh, the, the beneficiaries. So they're going to come at us, and they're going to come at us hard because that's the, that's the low-hanging fruit for them. I, um, In terms of the Māori space, we've got so much to lose now. I think if we, if, if they were going to look at government agencies, they'd be looking at Jarawhiti, which was the post-Tiriti um, agency that dealt with uh, people beyond the, the grievance space. You know, when I hear... Act talk about, well we supported the treaty claims but that's it means they still don't recognise the treaty in any sort of um, uh, in terms of any sort of legal document, it's just a piece of paper as far as I'm concerned so I think what we've heard moving into the election is going to happen, I do think that the collateral damage for want of a better word will be Māori and, and that means we just have another battle. And this is the, the other thing too. I, I still don't get to party Māori voting, even though, you know, I'm a to them, about the realities of being in opposition and, and that the, what, what we, what we're risking here in terms of what we've built over the last two governments is going to be lost. And that's non-negotiable as I, as I take it from the likes of New Zealand First and the likes of, of the, of, of that.
0: It was interesting looking at the Greens, to your point, about the difference of being in opposition, no matter how good your election result is historically for you. It was interesting looking at the Greens, Chloe Swarbrick in full celebratory mode um, in in Auckland Central. Um, The co-leaders were interesting. Marama Davidson in full celebratory mode. James Shaw, I have to say, looked like he'd just turned up to a funeral. And, you know, things like the work he had done and achieved in policy gains in Parliament... This is the shift that you've got to get your head around, right, when you you move out of government.
3: I love the Greens. Some of my best friends are Greens, but I thought that was really out of touch, that celebratory mood. Um, As Bernie says, the people who voted for Labour and the Greens, they deserve parties who are aware of what's at stake and who will fight for them. And we're going to see in the next 100-day plan and and then the months to come... Um, you know, benefits are going to be reduced in terms of the increases that come. On what they were going yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but people will lose money. Yeah. Um, we're going to see fair pay agreements taken down. We're going to see big shifts in, in the relationship with Māori. We're going to see climate change gutted. There is a huge amount at stake and I think our opposition parties need to be very quickly moving into that opposition phase and... You know, realizing that they 're not ministers anymore, they 're not in government, and their job now is to be prepared and to fight.
0: want to come to the opposition of private parties in a moment, well, just well, just a word for you, Tim please yeah
3: yeah I
2: think that um that you need to these guys need to perhaps have a bit of a, a more of a strategic think for these parties if as Neil talks about, it comes down to a one party majority um and reliant on winston well, the greens and to Party Maori have votes in parliament if they're prepared to go to national. Um, and offer some sort of support and supply deal um, to prevent the, the things that they don't want they they have that option um, they don't have to race straight over to the opposition benches and I think this is um, part of the thing that they've given Winston the uh, ability to be the key maker they've, they've locked themselves out of um, negotiating capital and I I'm, think they need to really think if they're really worried about these problems. Um, they have a mandate on behalf of their people to achieve an agenda,
3: so they could go and do that. I think on an issue-by-issue issue basis, yes. the Greens and Te party Māori could potentially, on certain votes, um, vote with National. But you authority. established that
0: relationship at the outset. You but, established that relationship now.
3: But what, what I would say, though, is I think if the Greens or Te Party Māori would do any kind of deal with mm-hmm. National, yep. I think that would be political suicide.
0: Yeah, the question is whether you, whilst not by any means, whilst maintaining your mana and maintaining what you've taken to your electorate, whether you leave open the possibility, as you say, case by case, of we can offer something if. Uh, and that will be a very fine line. Um, and with a, a figurehead anyway, the, the leader of the National Party, he was brand new to all of this, that there's going to be another. We've heard all about the mergers and acquisitions and running an airline. I'm really oh. interested to see how that translates to the, to the next few weeks. And we will see, open-mindedly we'll see. Labour and where to from here? With respect to rebuilding that you've talked about, And at least from their perspective, they have kept some of those people who were perhaps second-term MPs coming through looking like ministers of the future or had just become ministers. Um, They've got to sort out whether Hitkin stays or whether at some point transitions to a new leader. They've got to get into opposition mode and they've got to get into rebuild mode fast or they'll spend six years in the doldrums, which has happened before.
3: Yeah, and look, I remember coming into Parliament as a staffer in 2013, and Labour still had opposition spokespeople who who thought they were ministers who were temporarily embarrassed. You know, they need to very quickly shift. I thought Hipkins spoke really well on election night. Um, He did make clear that's the transition that was needed. And critically, he didn't resign on election night. Um, He'll need to make his own decisions about what he does, and the party will need to make decisions, but... I think this is not a time for Labor to descend into fratricidal warfare. This is a, or, or or do some sort of self-indulgent sort of wealth tax discussion or something. I think Hipkins should probably stay on for a period, um, at least three to six months, to try and get Labor into opposition, get it up and effective as a fighting machine, and then, if and when that comes, have an orderly transition. But, you know, I, I think that the challenge Labor has is. This was a serious defeat, and it has to be confronted. I don't think they can have any illusions that the voters misunderstood or there was, you know, anything like that. They were rejected. They can be proud of what they achieved in government. Labor has done a very good job on a lot of issues. Don't don't forget that record, but recognise that something's gone wrong. They need to review. They need to bring in new talent. They need to refresh their policy offering, and they probably need to to have a good hard look about the Labor project and its platform. That needs to happen in an orderly way as possible without yeah. descending into what we saw with Labour last time in opposition or national. Because Which was also
0: just a kind of venal, I want the job thing. Yeah, but, but that's you know, the thing, where, though. Is there's where there's where no do, room for self dogs. Where do indulgence. they go now? Where do they go now? Are they going to keep Grant Robertson or is he going to be off fairly soon? You know, right. Are they going to keep they, Andrew Little or is he going to be off fairly soon? Uh, and, and you know, how do they coordinate a transition that looks like a renewal and not a... You know, yeah, Look,
3: I th- I don't think anyone's in a in a hurry here. I think, you know, people like Graham Roberts and Andrew Little it would seem natural that they might want to move on, but you never know, that maybe there'll be a call for some experienced hands to stay on. Okay. I do think though that the party does need to renew.
0: Bernie O'Donnell, your thoughts on where the party's yeah, at? So in my head I, I thought we somehow we missed the rangatahi vote and I, I just
1: think that was a bit that didn't I mean if the the, the the, the Rangatahi were very clearly Greens and in, in Party Māori because that was what they wanted to see in terms of what change looked like. So somehow if we're going to refresh, we, the leadership just needs to look at itself, and, and not just the the, the, the the political leaders, also within the Labour Party about saying, Oh well, where's our Rangatahi strategy? What does that look like? How does that resonate with the people that we're trying to convince that they need to stay with us? And, and, and you know, that, that, that's the bit I really, really think we... Um, didn't really focus on properly. And I think we lost that with Jacinda. Jacinda, Excuse me, not lost. I think we had that with Jacinda. There was was a promise that was implied for Langatahi that really enthused our youth. That wasn't evident, I don't believe, in this election, and I think we need to have a look at that.
0: Ngamihi, and just, Tim, just a quick, it's not not your party, but a quick mention from you. That youth vote, that's where I'm so interested in uh, what has happened in some of these seats where young incoming MPs appear to have had a ground game that whipped others because these were significant majorities. These weren't just, oh, you know, mood for change and you're on the, you're on the ballot. Um, and we, I don't know how much detail we'll find out about the makeup of the turnout, but is that where some of these parties act with Brooke Van Veldin, um Greens with Tamatha Paul and others have just stolen the march on the so-called legacy, or yeah, shall we say, older parties? Yeah.
2: Well, National's got a 26-year-old MP in the Bay of Plenty with a, one of the biggest majorities in Parliament. That seems to be overlooked too. Um, I think it's a generational change starting to come through um, at the end of the baby boomers, perhaps. Um, that, that seems to be part of that um, general mood for we want to see something different, we want to see something change. Yeah.
0: Baby boomers have still got a few years left in them. Um, but, look, it is it is really interesting. It's a fascinating result. Well, still the President... Go ahead.
2: Still the President of the United States and still <laughs> leading the New Zealand First Party. So. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, very quickly, a listener asking, why does it take so long in this day and age for special votes to be counted? They are more complex, aren't they? They do need quite a bit of checking and they've got to rip open double envelopes and all sorts of things.
2: Yeah, and there's people. Yeah, you got, have... you've got to wait for the fax, fax machine to work and the carrier <laughs> pigeons to come
3: home. <laughs> And there's people voting in different parts of the country and all kinds of things. It it gets
0: complicated. Look, now Nui, Noe, thanks all of you very much for your time. Uh, It really was a really interesting result. I know it was painful for some of you in particular, um, but a really fascinating election result. And actually, if you look across the Parliament, a lot of new MPs, quite interesting new MPs on paper. Let's see how they go. All the best to them. Thanks very much. Neil Jones, Tim Hurdle, Bernie O'Donnell.